It's really this mindset of doing things that are making people's lives better. So things like safety and sustainability and improving the world in a way that really is great for commerce, but also just great for society is really, really important to us. And a lot of people famously say the bicycle is a solution to a lot of the world's toughest problems. Hello, and welcome to The Bike Lane. I'm your host, Jake Siegel. With us today, we have two guests from Bosch eBike Systems, Jocelyn Vandeveld and Kanal Kapoor. Jocelyn directs strategic marketing for Bosch eBike Systems in North America. She is a brand and product marketing veteran, most notably at active lifestyle businesses like Trek Bikes, Red Bull, and fitness industry leader, Johnson Health Tech, maker of Matrix Fitness Equipment. She loves to ride all kinds of bikes, share big laughs, be curious, discover new music, and connect with others. Kanal is the Senior Manager for Quality and Compliance for Bosch eBike Systems Americas. He enjoys working on improving quality, conducting risk analysis and mitigation, and a champion for product safety and certification, improving rider safety and also volunteers and safety standards development committees. All of this with an ultimate goal for making cyclists smile. In his free time, Kanal likes to play cricket with his wife and kids and friends. Jocelyn and Kanal, welcome to the bike lane. Hi. So... We've been working together for quite some time, and, and Bosch was one of the, the initial inaugural members within our v- Vulnerable Road User Safety Consortium and been really impressed over all the years. So uh, congrats for, for all the work, and uh, it's exciting how far we've come in the last, geez, what's been like five years or six years working together. Curious, before we get into some, some of the biz and, and the hot topics for the bike lane, uh, let's start off first with how do you guys get into bikes and end up working on safety topics? So Jocelyn, we'll start first with you on, on background and getting in. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was like a lot of kids, started riding a bike, Chicago suburbs, started riding a bike as a kid with my family and just never stopped. You know how a lot of people get out of it. They stop after a certain age, but I just kept going. You know, I'd get a bike to ride to commute on my campus. Then I got into triathlon. Then I started road riding more. Then I learned on a mountain bike. So it's just, you know, a progression and and it's something I really enjoy. And I made it a goal when I was still pretty young, I'd say like early mid 20s, that I really wanted to work in the bike industry one day. That's awesome, Jocelyn. Love, love the story. And again, it's been uh, awesome just seeing so many great executives and leaders that come from cycling, but also are helping out and, and moving our industry forward. So over to you, Kanal. T- talk to us about how you got into bikes. And I understand you have a strong background in safety and, and how these two things come together for you. I graduated back in 2001 in electronics and telecommunication engineering and was applying for various jobs. And one of the jobs was for a product safety engineer, which I did end up getting. And that was my first exposure uh, to the world of product safety. Uh, As part of this job, I got to evaluate, test, and certify different types of products, such as uh, bomb-detecting machines on airports, transformers, ATM machines, aquariums, motors, batteries, etc. And also got involved in various committees and standard writing bodies to help them improve the safety standards and also write new ones when they were none available. And uh, next career move was to take all of my learnings and work for manufacturers and help them launch compliant products while ensuring all rules, regulations, and laws are complied with. 
and over the years got several opportunities also to help craft languages for various bills and laws, etc. It was in 2018 when I started working for Bosch e-bike systems and got exposure to e-bikes and regulations uh, were just starting to form around that time with regards to safety around e-bikes. And I consider myself lucky that I was involved from the very beginning in helping write the safety standard for e-bike systems, which is the UL2849. And it has been almost 23 years for me now uh, working in the product safety field and currently absolutely enjoying working for e-bikes. Awesome. And we're, we're definitely going to get into standards and and what's new and, and how that's gone along. So uh, as we start to get into talking some shop here in the bike lane, I, I want to just get a little bit of background for our listeners tuning in about Bosch. So uh, when I when I met uh, folks from Bosch, it was through my relationships with the Consumer Technology Association, and I knew them from automotive supplier being a Detroit guy, but also for appliances. And I, I was didn't know you guys did e-bikes until I bumped into the Bosch team at Interbike. Feels like probably ten years ago when Interbike was still in Las Vegas. So you guys are doing a lot. You have a lot of products. You got uh, electronics and software and mechanical stuff and all sorts of really great things. So, so Jocelyn, let's, I'd love to just get like the, the short history of Bosch and structure and, and you know, how, like, like a little bit of background on the company. Bosch is a kind of a wild story because it's over 135 years old now and was founded by a single gentleman named Robert Bosch in, in Germany. And since then it is just grown and grown and grown and grown. And now we're over 400,000 employees in most countries around the world, covering pretty much any sector you can think of. Um, like a Bosch is our slogan right now, but invented for life is our tagline. And it truly is just that. And most uniquely about, about Robert Bosch is when he founded the organization, it was very much built on um, this idea of striking a balance between economic success and social responsibility. So he was really ahead of his time with that. How did we end up in e-bikes and when did that happen? So that goes um, back to 2009. It was built out of our auto automotive electronics team. And the power of being a privately held company like Bosch is that R&D is a cornerstone to what we do. We have over 85,000 researchers and scientists working on R&D. And so when new ideas come about, we have the, the freedom to grow and build that. And so e-bike very much came out of, you know, battery technology from power tools and sensor technology in the drive units and so on and so forth. So we're now at going on 15 years of being in the e-bike space. And here in the U.S., um, we'll be celebrating 10 years next year in, in 24. Congratulations. It's, yeah. it's awesome. And that's, that's a lot of scientists. So um, it's crazy. I've been at Bosch for four years now and I'm constantly blown away by all the things. Almost weekly, I learned something that just is completely dazzling to me. <laughs> yeah. It, in, for, for any of our listeners that have not seen the Bosch uh, exhibit out, uh, especially at CES, it, it's just incredible to see the, the, the breadth of what, what the company does. And I mean, just, just within automotive alone, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I'm curious, seeing that Bosch e-bikes, I mean, you think like e-bikes, you think of motors, drive units, but you guys are doing more than just the motor, right? Yeah, we're moving into our, our latest generation is now two year, uh, yeah, almost two years old called the smart system. 
the idea being a whole platform that our entire ecosystem can build off of everything from our OEMs and our bike shops or our IBDs, independent bicycle dealers, to our um, end consumers. So now when you purchase a bike, which is over 100 brands globally that use the Bosch e-bike system, you're going to have everything from your drive unit or your motor to the battery, to the display, to the apps associated to it. And this new smart system platform allows everyone in that ecosystem to be connected to each other. So for over-the-air updates, or if you want to upgrade a display from one to another and swap that out, they're all going to speak to each other moving forward. So there's a, there's a lot to it beyond just just the motor. Love it. And Bosch is covering a lot of different bikes. And I know I've seen you guys have sponsored uh, like various like sport and com- competitive events, but you guys are, you guys cover the full range. So, so I, I believe, right? So like first mm-hmm. is like, what what are the, the, the categories of bicycles, e-bikes that are powered by Bosch? Pretty much if it exists, um, somebody has put a Bosch e-bike system on it. So of course, we have really big brands that we work with, you know, like your Trex and everyone under the Pond Group and Cannondale and Cube, like some really big brands. But we also work with distributors, depending on what country we're in, for smaller niche brands. Um, even hand builders can work with a Bosch system um, through our distributor VPL that's based in Colorado. So it's everything in between your very entry-level hybrid bike that you might want to use for recreation or for a ride to do errands um, to the most high-performance mountain bike. We even have a great partner in in Bowhead, which is doing adaptive mountain biking solutions and really everything in between. Love it. So I haven't seen on the DIY community anybody making one of those paddle rolling bars that we see rolling around the cities with an e-bike. I guess that Depending the on like pu- how the late peddlers. in the evening. Yeah. So uh, if any of our DIY community is listening and you've made a, a Bosch-powered e-bike thing for 12 people to go around uh, Detroit or whatever, let me know. I'd love to love to post that up. <laughs> One thing I've noticed, and I think this is true. I think the first time I saw someone rolling an e-bike in downtown Royal Oak for in, in Southeast Michigan, they were, they were on a Bosch e-bike coming down uh, 4th Street where our office is. And after uh, the fourth or fifth time, I, I ended up catching this, this young guy on on his bike. And he said he was using it as a commuter and he was going out to Southfield, which for those in Southeast Michigan, that, that's a bit of a haul. This was pre-pandemic. So it was pretty early on for folks recognizing the ability, but this wasn't like a gimmick for, for, uh, for him and for a lot of folks out there. So it's, I think going Jocelyn, what you said about, you know, if, if someone, if there's a type of bike, like Bosch has been on those bikes and Aside from bikes that are there as your your um, kind of your your grocery getter, there's there's real commercial applications as well. But I feel that there's so many opportunities where it's no longer it expanded like what a bicycle can be. And then I'm, and thank you for talking about um, accessible community and and access and that that's really cool. I, um, we've done a lot of work with SRAM over the years, and they, they've done a great job of, of helping folks out that. Uh, otherwise wouldn't be able to use bicycles because of a, because of a certain disability and, and having like wireless shifting was a big part because you can move mm-hmm. the shifters to different parts and, and support that. So I, I think it's just fantastic that we're expanding cycling for uh, additional audiences uh, with, with e-bikes, but also covering a much wider range, including commercial. E-bikes in general, I think everyone kind of knows that it is the great equalizer. And 
the power of especially Bosch equipped e-bikes, which are only class one. So pedal assist to 20 miles per hour or class three pedal assist to 28 miles per hour. And then, of course, there's the class two that exists out there, which has a throttle included. And we don't produce systems that, that do that. But you can pedal as hard or as easy as you want. And that's the beauty in an e-bike. I personally have a Benno Boost cargo bike for commuting, to run errands, to carry my kids on the back. And I live in a flat. Once you're on the bike path, it's flat. And when I'm on the bike path, if I don't have the kids, it's off because I want that little extra, you know, workout. But as soon as those kids are on there, I'm only in turbo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am yeah. only in turbo and nothing less because it's a lot of weight to carry. So if you transition that to the types of riders that are out there, we hear stories firsthand all the time. You've given me my youth back. I feel like I'm on a magic carpet ride. I've never exercised so much in my life. Like the list goes on and on. And then when you get to the commercial application, last mile is a real serious problem from a sustainability standpoint and a climate impact standpoint. But it's also the most expensive part I recently learned from uh, our friends mm-hmm. at VPL, the most mm-hmm. expensive part of, of the supply chain. And so if you can find a way in major cities like New York that's doing a lot of testing with, with e-bike applications, whether it's through the actual vehicle it has cargo on it or using a towing mechanism, it's an incredible way to take a very large truck and condense it into packages that can be delivered within these small radiuses that these um, deliveries go to. So there's a lot moving um, in that direction and uh, a lot of testing and piloting going on Mm -hmm. now because you can't seem to find just the right fit yet, but we're getting there. I think the industry is starting to figure that out <laughs> a little bit more. Absolutely. We, we worked with Ford Motor Company a long time ago. I want to say this would have been like 2016 or 17 on last mile delivery. And I'm really proud that the, the team at Ford is, is still testing and, and moving ahead with, with last mile. And what, one of the things we learned about this is that it's not only sustainable, but it also is faster than, than mm-hmm. uh, parking vehicles and having to deal with prohibited turns and, and certain parking areas. And, um, also on the, on the, like kind of a double-edged sword here is that when you have a large delivery truck, that truck is typically going to be parking close by to the delivery to speed things up. Well, if there's a bike lane or even a protected bike lane where it's sidewalk bike lane, then, then park cars and then main street, you end up having some significant traffic congestion issues because that, that person, uh, delivering packages, they're going to have a a real tough time if they're have to block traffic or they're blocking up a, a, a bike lane. So, so having a, a cargo bike or other last mile solutions, um, including lockers too, there's also non transport solutions like having those locker for pickups, but the, the general idea of, of mobility services, the e-bike has really opened up a whole plethora of additional options to go. And it's, it's fantastic to see the innovation that's happening at a global scale. Oh, for sure. We could spend the whole time like just on this topic. In Europe, you've got some real strong rules now in city centers. You look at London and Paris in particular, you know, shutting down certain areas to to cars. Mm -hmm. There's a group of electricians that I follow on Instagram that's doing everything by cargo bike, and they have Mm -hmm. everything they need for the most part in this cargo bike to get in and around 
London. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, mm-hmm. but you really tapped on speed, money, um, like ease. These are all things that you're not even touching on the sustainable aspect at that point. It's These are things that really can help the bottom line to a lot of companies. Absolutely. So Jocelyn, that, going back full circle for Bosch as a company, especially as a private company, how's that helped Bosch participate in industry and goodwill issues? And it could be standards as well, but I'm curious that like, how does that, how's Bosch's corporate structure and, and background help help get that uh, solid positioning and the advantages there. Earlier, I had mentioned that the the organization is is privately held. And with that comes a lot of luxuries of of choosing this balance of social responsibility with economic gain. The company, a lot of people don't know, is actually over 90% a foundation and uh, you can actually, you know, look into it online. It's called Robert Bosch Stiftung, I, my best German pronunciation. But this is the foundation. It's one of the largest foundations in Europe that's working towards continuing this legacy of, of Robert Bosch and the commitment to, you know, social and societal causes. So when that's your foundation for where your profits go, it's really this mindset of doing things that are making people's lives better. So things like safety and sustainability and improving, you know, the, the the world in a way that really is great for commerce, but also just great for society is really, really important to us. And a lot of people famously say the bicycle is a solution to a lot of the world's toughest problems, right? And so talk about what a great way to come full circle as an organization. Funny enough, Robert Bosch was one of the original users of the safety bike. When people were still using the horse and buggy, he was conducting business on his safety bike and seen as this odd guy, this tinkerer, this engineer. And um, it's really, really cool to see how far we've come really as an organization and being such an integral part of the mobility sector of our business. That's fantastic. And uh, moving over to some of the technical topics, I've always been a proponent that in order to create a safer community, you need to have participation with everyone. It's got to be various stakeholders, your vendors, your suppliers, your competitors, um, other vulnerable road users, your VRUs. So Bosch has been, this is not new for Bosch, uh, and, and, and Bosch has been a leader in various automotive standards and, and I'm sure other consumer product standards. So Canal, and even going back to what you're saying, like you, you talked earlier about coming into earlier in your career about standards that are not existing yet. So it's one thing to come into a group and you're making incremental improvements, which are needed in, in just about every standards group, but also something that's brand new, hasn't existed yet. So talk to us a little bit, Canal, about how Bosch has been working with standards to date uh, for the bike industry and, and and just from your experience at Bosch, just in general? So for Bosch, you know, safety has always been the first, you know, no, nothing is more important than safety. And I would like to start with a quote from our founder, Robert Bosch. He said, I have always acted according to the principle that I would rather lose money than trust and the integrity of my promises, the belief in the value of my products, and in my word of honor have always had a higher priority to me than a transitory profit. As a company, we make every effort to comply with all possible known voluntary and mandatory safety standards 
that are out there and that apply to various Bosch products, not just e-bike systems. And Bosch e-bike systems was the first company to classify its e-bike system to UL2849 OOI. And OOI stands for Outline of Investigation, um, which was published back in 2015. You can call it like the uh, predecessor of the the UL2849 safety standard that we all know of today, uh, which was published much later, but Bosch was voluntarily classifying its systems to this standard way back in 2015. And many Bosch associates across various industries participate in various standard technical panels. I sit in the UL2849 standard technical panel representing Bosch. There are several technical committees uh, that are working on helping improving safety standards all over the world, whether in the US or in Europe or elsewhere. And Bosch associates all over the world are participating voluntarily just so products can become safer and, and overall good for everybody. From the work that you're doing in the standards, how has that helped within product development or uh, just in general, like like the you're in the standards group, you're working on these things, and then that translates to uh, value and help. Uh, how, how does that translate back into, into the, the process that you guys use at Bosch eBike Systems? So, you know, obviously uh, it helps when we are in the standard writing bodies ourselves. We know what the, what the standards are. So we take all those learnings. We, we translate that into very uh, defined requirements and all our design engineers working on different types of products are made aware of all these voluntary and mandatory uh, requirements, whether they are safety requirements, EMC requirements, uh, chemical regulation requirements. There's just so many. There's just so many rules and laws that apply. And while designing all of our product, all these requirements are 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 thought of. Uh, and when the products uh, you know hit the market, they are already in compliance and as safe of a product as it can be, is launched into, into commerce from Bosch. We may be sometimes slower uh, to hit the market, but the reason is we take all these extra steps and measures to make sure that the safety is never compromised and all these learnings from different standards and laws and regulations to make the product better and safer are all utilized every time. So does the entire e-bike need to be certified or the system... Um... I mean, is this like a mostly a battery thing, like complying, testing? I mean, how's that work? I'm glad you asked that. Now, there is a misconception in the e-bike industry that uh, the complete e-bike needs to be certified. This is absolutely not true. The UL2849 standard, which in my opinion is a very robust safety standard, was written for the electrical system of an e-bike. It does not even have mechanical requirements for a bicycle, which are covered elsewhere. There are different standards for that. This particular standard is only for the electrical system of an e-bike. Now, uh, if an e-bike OEM uh, purchases an e-bike system that is certified to this UL2849 standard and just incorporates that system into their e-bike and then sells that e-bike, they do not have to do anything towards UL2849 for their a complete e-bike. Of course, in in, uh, in New York City, there's a little bit difference. Besides 2849, New York City also requires the battery packs that are used inside e-bikes to be certified to a safety standard called UL2271. And uh, so again, if the e-bike system that one is purchasing 
if the system is already certified to 2849 and the battery pack of that system is also certified to UL2271, then that's it. You just buy those products, put them on an e-bike and sell your e-bike. The e-bike manufacturers or the complete e-bike, they do not have to be certified. And I'm glad you asked and I'm glad that I could clear that misconception. Well, there's been so much confusion um, with various cities and, and New York's been getting a lot of highlights about this with uh, everything from landlords banning e-bikes and, and a lot of challenges there. And I love that you said, and I love that Bosch is doing voluntary um, uh, participation and voluntary uh, compliance with uh, standards that exist and are coming. But I think that like fast forward a few years that it should make people feel a lot more comfortable knowing that we've got safe and certified products and and those are products that can be charged. And for folks, especially living in high-rise buildings, that you might have, a, it's not just e-bikes, by the way, the same challenge with electric vehicles is that if you're concerned about um, an electric vehicle and and any sort of an, an issue with an electric vehicle and could, could lead to a, a fire, like, I mean, bicycle batteries, kind of same thing is if you've got the right compliance, it should provide a lot more comfort to folks to really just fully integrate. I mean, I almost feel like it was the middle of the Wild West going into the pandemic and on the back end. And now now, the thing, now that we're here and, and it's accepted, it's like there's just a little more of a push needed. And it sounds like the standards are the way to go for that. New York City law is, you know, is first of its kind. There are other similar laws and bills that are being introduced on the state level. But this particular bill, you know, there you you said something very important, certified. You know, what does certify even mean? You know, it's important to understand what is a certified product uh, in comparison to maybe uh, what is a complied to product or a tested to product. It's very important. So New York City law actually states that the electrical system for bicycles has to be certified. They use the word certified. According to my interpretation, I've been doing this for 23 years. So so uh, uh, I formed an opinion. I have my interpretation of what certified means. And in order to explain certified, I'll explain a little bit of a backstory. The safety standards which are written usually consists of four sections in a safety standard. You have what is called a construction evaluation phase or a section. Then you have a performance section, a marking section, and an instruction manual section. So once these four sections, a competent engineer at one of the third-party labs has to take your product and in the construction evaluation phase, completely open up the drive unit, your HMIs, your battery packs, uh, your drive unit. Uh, they take apart everything. They check everything inside. What materials have you used? Are you using the right gauge wire? Are the traces on your printed wiring board uh, what they should be? Uh, uh, what kind of metals you have been using. So they check for everything. And out of this construction evaluation, they figure out what are the applicable tests that must be performed uh, on the various components of an e-bike system. So you get into the performance section where you have now identified, well, based on the design, these are the tests that are applicable. And then those tests are performed. And the next two sections, which were the markings and instructions, so the engineer evaluates and tells you, these are the safety markings you should have. These are the safety instructions you should have. Now, once you have complied with these four sections, according to the competent engineer from an external third-party lab, there is one very important key step, which is when a product needs to be certified, the manufacturing location of that product is also audited 
by inspectors from these third-party companies, and these are unannounced visits. They come and they check that the materials and the components that you are using are the ones with which you built the sample that you gave to them, which initially passed the testing in their labs. So that's what is a certified product. When you compare it to a complied to or a tested to, it is not necessary that this construction evaluation phase even took place when a product is simply complied to or tested to. Somebody could have just taken a few tests from the standard and said, well, I'm going to perform these five and I would claim that it is tested to or complied to. And then there's nobody definitely checking that is the same materials are even being used. So therefore, certified products, you know, are much better than complied to or tested to products. The uh, world should be doing things the way Bosch is doing things when it comes to their certification and all the necessary pieces towards that. Unfortunately, we don't live in that world. And from a policy and communication standpoint, we've got some, we've got some issues and I'm curious, going back to you, Jocelyn, is what's next? So as an industry, where do we go from here? Well, I think it's really important that we continue, at least for us, I can only speak for what Bosch is doing. And hopefully the whole idea is that we be a thought leader here um, for the micromobility space. I mean, we are the largest automotive supplier. It's no secret that we know something about the automotive space, which is so highly regulated. So one would think like we might have some idea <laughs> about what might be a good path forward here in order to make sure we continue to develop this new form of transportation and, oh, by the way, a great recreation tool so that everybody can be happy and safe and, and healthy and continue to grow in that regard. As it pertains to, to New York, and because this really is this, you know, sorry the pun, but this, this hotspot really of this topic right now, and it's going to influence other states and other choices that are being made by other states. And so it's really, we've been focusing on ensuring we're communicating to our bicycle dealers exactly what Canal was saying, like, here's what sort of standard you can be sharing with the end consumer, with the people who are coming into your shop so they get it. We want to make sure we continue to give them the tools they need. They're the ones that live there, the bike shop owners, I mean. So many of them have been very vocal about how to continue to share the message that not all products are created equal and we can't just do a blanket ban on everything when people are now needing to find new ways to get to work. I, I was talking to a small, very small niche bike shop owner in New York City who's got loyal customers coming back to him saying that they can't use their turn e-bike. So, I mean, you're talking like a $4,000, $5,000 e-bike. They can't use it to get to and from their job at the hospital. This one nurse he was telling me, I think nurse or a doctor or whatever that he was telling me about, would you mind selling me a folding bike that isn't an e-bike? And I was like, a poor guy. Like he loves riding to work. This is his means of transportation in Manhattan and he can't even use it, even though he did all the right things. And so I'm hoping we're going to go through a bit of a shaking out and continue to hold the line in what we feel is important and be 
be a thought leader and be someone that people can look to and and hopefully a north star of sorts that that the path that we're forging it's not always going to be easy because it is more expensive to do the right thing but at the same time there's longevity in that and there's value in that over time agreed i do want to just put in a little plug bit and this is this is for the listeners and uh, maybe a little bit to canal but mostly the listeners is that Remember that for for larger mid sized companies, um, and now that I work at a large company, that we got a lot of innovators out there, and that it's really important. Safety is number one. With that being said, is that we need to make sure that to be able to be compliant, that it's it's something accessible for for startups and small businesses to be able to participate with. So I, I'm really focused now on different texts and standards that you can comply with, and, and even in the retail world, we had. Problems. So, just as an example of this, with when state sales tax and internet sales tax rolled out, there was this transition period where you have a lot of small businesses that just don't have the the breadth in the front office to be able to cover. So, in addition to figuring out what's safe, what needs to happen for the industry, and why, it's just important to remember that at, when you go to execute these things, that it, it's got to be something that can be enforced and also something that can be used by all businesses. Because at the end of the day, if you've got my opinion, if you've got um, certifications that are just unattainable by small businesses, then you're always going to end up with folks that are trying to get around them. And I feel like if you make it accessible, affordable to do this, which sometimes isn't always possible, you've got something there. So not necessarily looking for a response from Bosch on this, but just more of just a plug that it's important that everybody can participate in these standards in the business community. And we have many of our listeners that that know that firsthand. There is something that's relatively new, automatic braking. So ABS. Got it in the cars, been there a long time. And for those of us who live in Michigan, it's that eh sound that we get uh, this time of year, like early December. I don't know if the Californians know anything about that unless you're heading up to Lake Tahoe. But a um, yeah, little, little bit of a pipe there. The New Yorkers, uh, I don't know if they have cars, or, but you know, at least the, the, the upstate folks know what, what, what's up. So uh, ABS and bikes. So Jocelyn, what's the latest on ABS and bikes? ABS is a pioneering technology of Bosch's that goes way back, which I'm not an expert in, but very cool that we've brought ABS to both first the car, then to motorcycles. And actually back in 2018 is when we first brought ABS to e-bikes. So we've just recently come out with the new iteration of it, and it's starting to be found on bikes more readily available in Europe. And we're waiting to see our first brands bring ABS here to the U.S. It's an incredible technology. It's exactly what you would think it would be. It stabilizes when you have to slam on the brakes, when, you know, a door opens, when you're in the bike lane would be a great example of that immediate slamming on the brakes. Mm -hmm. And it's going to stabilize to to stop you from flipping over your handlebars and keeping that rear tire down. I just don't know a lot about this. Is this, is it, is, are there commitments coming? Do we know yet if this is actually going to hit market or it's still TBD? We'll definitely start to have some brands bring it, bring it on. It's going to start for sure with the European brands. Um, I'm pretty sure that Reese and Mueller, which carries it on some bikes in Europe, will be the first to bring it here to the U.S. Uh, don't quote me on that, but they do already exist in Europe. So it's not like I'm talking like some sort of vaporware. <laughs> so so we're going to see a Tour de France 2024. You heard it here first. So we won't, <laughs> the big pileups are, are a thing of the past going, going down the Pyrenees. It's featured on our website. I mean, people can go take a closer look at it. It It's a very small little device that goes, you'll see it on the, you know, on the front fork and it, 
you know, utilizes the same technology roughly that you would see in a car and a, and a motorcycle. So another one of those Bosch capabilities that we have to carry over technologies from one area to another, but it is incredible on gravel too. And so like mm-hmm. when you're doing that pavement to gravel or gravel to pavement move, um, and we're going to continue to develop this. This is not going to be a one hit wonder. So you heard it here first. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I, in all seriousness, there's been so many moments where, uh, in my experience riding with a group where this would have probably saved somebody a lot of skin at, at best and at worst could be a lot worse. And then the other thing I'll mention is that perception is that for a lot of folks, it can be a little scary when you're on a bicycle, whether it's acoustic powered by, by human legs or, or it's motor powered and, and now we're, we've got other users in the bike lane and then oftentimes we're, we're caught in traffic and we have to make a sudden move. And I think that in addition to the actual safety increase, I, I think there's going to be a lot of confidence boost where people will just feel more comfortable operating bicycles at speeds that, that I mean, have been operated at for hundred years, but it, it's, a, it's just something that's going to make, make us a lot safer. And I mean, I, I, I predict that in 50 years from now, it's going to be just a standard and you're see hydraulic uh, ABS brakes, just period. I mean, I, I, I think it's just an awesome piece that's coming. So I was, I was so excited to hear you guys were doing that. Here's another differentiator as to what people are seeing in the market or what products are available. You have a lot of less expensive e-bikes that come to market and where are you going to cut costs? You're going to cut costs on, on great brakes, mm-hmm. on the e-bike system, the safety that Canal's talking about. And what a bad combination. So you have a lesser than desirable battery source or energy source. And then once you get up to speed, you're going to have a tough time stopping in a timely manner. So I just ask anyone listening who's considering an e-bike, like I know they're not always going to be the cheapest, but at the same time, you're purchasing for that quality of, of a safe ride but also the longevity. And I, and I think we're going to get into that. Like the longevity of the ownership of this product is by nature, the most sustainable way to own something, right? Like I've got some Patagonia clothing that I'm just, it's over 20 years old and I'm just ready. I just need something new. (laughs) I've heard multiple stories about Bosch equipped e-bikes that are thousands and thousands and thousands of miles on them. Mm -hmm. Generation one systems out there you name it. And so you might be done with that bike and ready on for the next thing, but another family or another person would be happy to take a used e-bike. Last technical question, then we'll we'll ask our fan favorites. So Bosch has a that history of sustainability and being a great corporate citizen. And how does that how does sustainability Jocelyn roll in? So like you mentioned just the piece there. I'm curious how how the history of sustainability translates over to Bosch e-bike systems. Yeah. I mean, this is an area we're really heavily looking at right now. We made some serious, big, big claims about our carbon neutrality goals and standards there. And I welcome everyone to take a look at our website in the sustainability report, like recognizing that it's, it just runs so much deeper that, than, than that. And we are ready to do the work to approach this in an even bigger and as authentic as possible way. Sustainability is more than just green things, right? As a reminder, it's people, planet, and profit. And so we were already talking about 
the profitability and making sure you have a product that lasts and a company that lasts and sustains families that work for it and et cetera, et cetera. But then you've got the um, people part. We talked about that a lot, about Robert Bosch's focus on social responsibility and building this privately held company that can never go public and be built on this foundation. So that's where you cover that people part. But then, of course, there is the planet planet part as well. And so we want to make sure we're always pointing, you know, our compass in that direction to get better and better and better. And so we regularly report on that on the Bosch general website, not so much on the e-bike website. But finally, it's like we were just talking about with Patagonia, like arguably one of the more sustainable organizations out there. And it's all in longevity. It's it's all about building something to last. And if it's not going to be for you, it's to be handed down again and again and again. And it's also making it serviceable. If something's a throwaway product by nature, it's immediately losing that sustainable essence to it. We strive to have seven years of of parts available after, you know, when when products go live from us, we want to make sure that the bike shops can service them for many years to come and making sure, yeah, that, that our products will stay on the road and on the bike trail and, and be usable and safe for many years and not just this, oh, great, I got a bike and it's going to last for two years. And then where does it mm-hmm. go? You know, in a landfill. So that's important. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it that the scooters was was a rough one. So like I I think that like bicycles they've been here well over a hundred years ago. They will be here well over a hundred years from now. And um, like I think the way that that approach is is going to be fantastic. So love love how Bosch is uh, taking that position for sustainability, including serviceability and green and and the other key items. So uh, before we wrap up, I always ask our listeners, what are you listening to? What are your favorite podcast, newsletter, shows, trade events that you can share? And it could be personal or professional. Um, Jocelyn will go to you first and then Canal. Well, I definitely enjoy Scott Galloway a lot. I feel like I was an, kind of an early adopter of his. I've taken his courses. But he sends a Friday email that I highly recommend. And if you're not familiar with Scott Galloway, he's an NYU professor turned entrepreneur, started multiple businesses. But he always has very thought-provoking emails on Fridays. And I learned from my husband that he does an audio version. But I like reading the email, to be honest. (laughs) So that's a favorite of mine. How about you, Kanal? What are you listening to? What's, uh, What's on the hot list for you? So, uh, well, what I like reading uh, is uh, we are a member of PRBA, which is the Rechargeable Battery Association, and they send out newsletters. And in these newsletters, I find out about all these different new, different state laws that people are thinking about, all the regulations that might be coming, and I have to prepare to make sure that we are ready for when it comes to either participate and, and or later on comply with it. So most of my time goes in reading these uh, trade association newsletters and the standards, different standards and government websites uh, from where I have to extract a lot of information. So not uh, it's boring to some, but but I love it. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, I nerd out on some really, really weird stuff. And what you're talking about sounds like just an efficient way to stay in the stay in the loop. So love it. Uh, so Jocelyn, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with the right folks within Bosch e-bike systems? 
Well, Kanal and I are both on LinkedIn, so you can just look us up by our name. If you want to just look into more about all the stuff we talked about, you can actually just go to ebike.com. How easy is that? And you'll be able to learn more about Bosch eBike Systems. And to be honest, the best, best, best way, go to your local bike shop and talk to somebody who loves e-bikes. Um, we have a great dealer locator on our website. So you can look up who's been certified by our service technicians in your area. And I highly recommend that. We also have an e-bike model finder. So in that area where we were talking about what kinds of e-bikes are out there, you can look up over 80% of them are, are on our website. So you can start to see which e-bikes right for me, what brands carry that, et cetera, et cetera. Excellent. And thank you both for joining. And that was Jocelyn Vandeveld and Kanal Kapoor from Bosch e-bike systems. I'm your host, Jake Siegel. Thanks again for listening and see you next time in the bike lane.